Hi friends, welcome back to the Well Then podcast, a show where we explore the intersection of physical, mental, and emotional wellness so that you can live your most vibrant and love-filled life. I am really excited to explore today's topic as always because I just love diving deep with you guys and this is something that's been coming up in a lot of conversations lately and is really at the foundation of the work that I do with my clients and in my group practice and it's going to touch a little bit on the holistic elements of healing and when we are experiencing patterns in our life especially in our relationships and our love life or areas where you feel stuck areas where you feel blocked or like you just don't have access to the experience that you want to be having how approaching that from an integrated mind body spirit approach is going to be the most impactful way to create change so we'll explore some of the tools and modalities that i use but we're going to start with this conversation around how our childhood impacts our adult relationships. I want to break this down because it is one of the most important things to understand when it comes to healing and resolving your relationship patterns, when it comes to resolving and and healing patterns around the types of people that you attract and choose to date or choose to be in relationships with, around the patterns that actually show up for you once you're in relationships, and your relationship with yourself, your self-worth, your self-identity, how you feel about who you are and what your worth and value is in this world. All of that really does stem back to childhood. And I find that people usually fall into one of two categories. Either they're like fully on board with that and they're like, yes, totally get it. And I can even see some correlations from my own life. And now I just want to understand what to do and how to, um, you know, heal some of those experiences that happened in my past. Like I can't change what happened, but what can I do about it now? And the other camp of people is often the, are often the people who feel like, okay, you know, I'm not a child anymore. I'm an adult now. So it's not relevant. Like what happened to me in the past, it's it's not relevant anymore. I'm strong. I'm tough. I've moved beyond that. There's some kind of subcategories <laughs> within those two groups, but those are usually the two categories I see people fall into when we start to talk about childhood wounds. And I've been in both of those categories before I really dove deep into my own healing journey, which if you've been following me for a while, you know that that happened um, in a very challenging dark night of the soul chapter of my life in my early 20s when I went through some really difficult experiences, back-to-back trauma and was really forced into this place where I had to figure out like, how do I get my feet on solid ground again? And prior to that point, and even at the beginning of that journey, I was somebody who prided myself on being really strong, really resilient, and not being phased by things. As far back as even when I was a little kid, I remember When I was about 10 years old is when my parents announced to my brothers and I that they were getting a divorce. And, um, you know, it had been kind of a a rocky couple years before that in our household. And I just remember feeling like that's okay. It's no big deal. That doesn't impact me. I remember other kids, you know, being really uh, impacted by their parents' divorce and by things that were going on in their house. And I just had this really strong sense of, of wanting to be okay, wanting to be resilient, wanting to be tough, right? Like not wanting to let things affect me. And as a kid, that was just my way of dealing with things. That was my coping mechanism. It felt safer to not actually feel the pain of experiences or the big emotions 
that I was actually having beneath the surface because I didn't know how to process them. I didn't have the tools to deal with them at the time. And that, that pattern stuck with me (laughs) into my early adulthood. I would oscillate between, you know, trying to appear cool, calm and collected. Like I had it all together and like nothing really bothers me that much to then hitting these moments of breaking points where all my emotions would bubble up to the surface and I would be like crying uncontrollably and, and not know what to do or what it was about. And so when somebody first proposed to me that, hey, maybe there are some things from my childhood and from younger in life that needed my attention, that needed some exploration, that needed some healing, I kind of had this sense of like, well, why? Like, I know some of the things that were difficult that happened then, but that was in the past and can't do anything about it now. So why would I talk about it? Why would I think about it? Why would I revisit that? And I really didn't understand the power and the impact that doing exploration around childhood experiences and wounds and and potential trauma can have in in the way that it can actually liberate you in so many of the areas that you feel stuck. And for me, that was almost every area of my life. I saw huge shifts occur over many years of doing this work as I opened up to it um, in my physical health, because I was experiencing a lot of different health issues since I was a kid. And a lot of that was correlated to stress and trauma and unprocessed emotion. And I just didn't know it at the time. So I freed up my health and space to have a, a deeper, more grounded relationship with my body. I freed up and liberated so many patterns I had been stuck in, in the realm of relationships with other people in romantic relationships and friendships, dynamics with people who were authority figures. Like there's so many areas that I was experiencing fear and anxiety and and not feeling like I could, like I could be my full self. And so over the years, I continued to see the value in unpacking some of the experiences from my past that led to these strategies and coping mechanisms that were no longer serving me as an adult. So then I fell into that second category of like, okay, totally understand. Like I see that these things happen. I acknowledge that maybe it was more difficult than I had given myself credit for at the time, but like, now what do I do about it? From there, I want to kind of break it down into a couple more categories of people who I often see show up into my practice. There are the people who acknowledge that they've experienced trauma in the past. Like they're able to admit and own and acknowledge the fact that they lived in an an abusive household or experienced neglect in childhood, or they had a parent who was an alcoholic or who was um, an addict, or maybe they had a parent who left at an early age. Maybe, you know, there was a really clear and obvious sign of trauma that they experienced either in a single instant or on a repetitive basis growing up. And they're able to point to that and say, okay, I'm, I know that that probably needs my attention. That probably needs some healing and some resolution around it. The other category of people that I see are the people who come in feeling like, I actually don't know what could possibly be wrong, like what needs to be looked at, because I grew up in a loving household. I grew up in a stable household with two parents who were married and they loved each other. And sure, they fought sometimes, but like, you know, everything's fine and they loved me. And so I don't know. I don't know like why I'm having these problems now. And if that's you, I just 
really want to take a moment to acknowledge and validate that experience because I see a lot of people like that in my practice who are unable to look at their childhood and and earlier, even early adulthood, but early life experiences from a really objective place, from a place of radical honesty, because they don't have any like big T trauma, right? And they feel like, what do I have to complain about? I had a roof over my head and two parents and I should be grateful. It's the narrative a lot of us grow up with. And so I want to acknowledge in this conversation That when we're talking about the correlation between our childhood experiences and the patterns that are showing up in our romantic relationships as adults, this work is not about blaming or shaming your parents or caretakers or the people who you grew up around and making them wrong, making them villains, making them into the bad guy. It's really not. Um, If there are (laughs) things that they did that, you know, require some ownership and, and, it feels good to call out the fact that there was a, a rupture that happened in the relationship or there were needs that didn't get met. That can be really valuable. But what's more important is to create space for you to acknowledge what your experience was like, what it felt like to be in your body as a kid, what it felt like to grow up in the household and the dynamic that you grew up in. And how your needs did or did not get met, how your self-esteem was built or not built and not contributed to. Because even the most loving, supportive, attentive parents are still human beings who are fallible. We all are. None of us are perfect and we can't always intuit the needs of the people around us, even our own children. And so you may have been a child who was really empathic or more sensitive and more emotionally attuned than your parents were and they didn't know how to receive that or process that or support you because they couldn't go to that emotional depth or capacity like they didn't have the tools or they just didn't even know that that's what you were feeling and and that that's what you needed or to identify what you needed more of so we can look at lots of different examples of childhood experiences that were not um, inherently traumatic or abusive or neglectful or negative, but that still led to a pattern of coping mechanisms for the child involved, aka you, <laughs> that you carried into adulthood that were not working for you or are not working for you later on. And there's so much power and liberation in doing that because when you do that, you reclaim your own story, your own relationship to yourself and the way that you relate to other people. So this is where radical honesty can get or can can be really valuable for you, can be really helpful in getting you to the place where you're able to connect some of the dots a little bit more easily. So sometimes it can be helpful to tune into what the actual um, like stories and experiences and memories are around what it was like for you growing up. So some examples, maybe you had, again, two parents, they both loved you, loved each other, but maybe your dad worked a lot. Maybe he was gone a lot and you would have loved to have more time and attention and affection from him than he had available to give to you. Maybe um, your mom was very appearance 
oriented and focused. Maybe she had her own challenged relationship with her body and that came out in how she um, created rules for you around food and your body and how she made you feel that kind of contributed to that sense of self that's maybe a little bit shaky, not very strong, maybe rooted in the feeling that I should care about how other people think about me more than how I feel about myself, right? Like I have to care about how I look. Maybe you had parents who loved you and really wanted you to succeed and that externalized itself in the form of pressure to do really well in school and to always get good grades, straight A's, or to always perform well in sports and get first place and win all the awards and trophies and all of that. And so maybe you felt like you had to perform and achieve and work hard to earn love. Maybe you felt like praise and love wasn't available to you unless you achieved. Maybe you had lots of siblings or one sibling that required a lot of attention, right? Like maybe they had really big needs and the family was more focused on them than they were on you. And so that, again, caused you to feel unseen and unheard and to not get your needs met. Maybe your parents were just really focused on their own stuff, like they had financial stress and busy with work and busy with their own relationship, and you were kind of forced into a position where you were parentified and had to grow up from a really young age. And like, if you were the older sibling, you had to always look out for your younger siblings and take care of them. And maybe you started to internalize some of those stories that your parents carried. Like you started to worry about money and you started to worry about their relationship. Those things that kids should not have had to worry about at that young of an age. And again, nothing inherently like that screams big T trauma, right? There's nothing there that looks like your parents being intentionally neglectful or unloving, but they just weren't available to parent in the way that you maybe needed them to. And anytime a kid goes without all of the love and care and nurturing, affection, attention, support, loving guidance, um, feedback on like when you're a kid and you make a mistake or something doesn't go your way, like how are you getting feedback and guidance to build resilience and bounce back from that in a really loving and supportive way? When those things are missing, any of those things, what we do as kids, our brains trying to make sense of the world and our place in it and and our value and, and the role that we play in, in our family, but also in society as a whole, our brain will look for patterns and come up with solutions. So our brain will say like, okay, mom and dad um, don't like it when I cry or like when I have a big need or big emotion, like it doesn't get met. And so the easier thing for me to do is just not have needs and to shut down how I'm feeling, right? Like earlier on, I talked about how my defense mechanism was to go to that tough exterior of like, I'm fine. This doesn't affect me. I'm all good. Like I got it together. And I fell into patterns of perfectionism and self-isolation and kind of not asking for help when I needed it because I learned at that, at that age, that formative age, that it wasn't available to me because my parents' focus was elsewhere. So you get to start to think about what was the story, the solution that was created as a way to cope with the circumstances I lived in? Again, even if they weren't... Um, extremely or overtly traumatic or, or harmful if there was a sense that you just didn't quite feel seen or you didn't quite feel understood. Maybe you felt different than the rest of your family or than your friends and nobody was explaining that to you very well. 
we, our brains will try to make sense of that and create these stories and patterns and coping mechanisms that we then carry later on into adulthood. And then we wonder why it's so hard for us to relate to other people. Like, why is it so hard for me to be vulnerable? Why is it so hard for me to share what I'm feeling? Why every time I feel like I'm getting close to somebody, I self-sabotage and I push them away? Or why does it feel like I want love so badly, but I just never feel chosen in return? And like, I'm always having to work so hard for it, but then the, the people that I'm interested in don't invest in me and they ghost me or they don't text me back. Like, these are the patterns that we can start to correlate back to those early childhood experiences. And again, this might be, you might look back and realize there are patterns or themes that were present for all of childhood, or it might just be a chapter. Like maybe there was a chapter during some of those formative years. It can be in infancy and and like when you're a toddler, maybe your parents were busy and distracted then and had a lot going on. And so you just felt like they weren't very responsive to you and you don't actually have a memory of that. We call that like pre-verbal. Um, you can still have that felt experience in your body of like, oh, nobody shows up for me. Like I might as well not ask for what I need because I'm not going to get it or they're not going to show up for me. Maybe it was later on in, in your childhood, like during puberty, those are really foundational, impactful years. And if there are challenges in your household or in your relationship with one or both of your parents at that age, even if it was just for like a few months or a year of your life, it can still be enough to create some of those stories, patterns, and coping mechanisms. So the whole point of this conversation we're having here in this episode today is to give you permission, permission to reflect on your own lived experience, what it felt like to be you and how that might be impacting you now. Because the longer you try to carry this exterior of like nothing, nothing bad happened. And like, I don't have anything to claim plain about like childhood's not the place for me to look or of like, yeah, that happened, but it wasn't that big of a deal. And like, I don't really feel any emotion about it now. So why, why cry about it? Like, why bother going back there? Um, as long as you're carrying those kind of narratives or stories or the narrative and story of, I just don't know. Sometimes we say we don't know because we haven't yet developed the capacity and the tools to sit with the big emotion of what would come up if we did know. Because some part of you does know. You have this amazing thing called your subconscious that is sort of a record keeper of every experience you've ever had. Your subconscious logs all of the thoughts and feelings and experiences that you have when you interact with the world and other people around you because it's trying to keep you safe. So it's logging all these experiences and how you interpreted them so that if you enter into that same scenario in the future, it can go, oh, don't do that again. Remember that hurt last time. That was painful last time. Don't share how you feel because that didn't end well last time. Or um, love is bad. Remember, you've seen how this plays out. It's scary and, and it doesn't end well. So even if you don't have a cognitive conscious memory of it, your subconscious does remember. And when you give yourself permission, at least to have the willingness to believe that there could be experiences from your past that are still impacting you now. It gives you a little bit more um, of a window to perceive them and gives you the space to go to the places in your body and your nervous system and in your subconscious where those experiences are living so that we can work through them and resolve them and heal them. 
So the next question that a lot of people often have that you might have is, okay, great. Then what do I do? Like if I've gotten willing to admit that to myself, or if I know that I have experiences from my upbringing that are maybe um, kind of lingering around, the effects of them are still lingering. How do I get to the root of healing it? How do I uncover what those things are? Where do I go from here? That is where I've discovered at least that the combination of somatic work, which means working more with the body and the kind of physical and emotional experiences in your body, combined with subconscious reprogramming work, can be incredibly impactful. So there's so many different tools out there, right, in the in the healing world, in the therapeutic world. And what works for one person might not work as well for another person, just depending on your capacity, your emotional availability, how much self-reflection and work inner work you've done up until this point. Um, and what I see a lot is that really self-aware people who are able to intellectualize their life experiences and their feelings, like you can talk about how you're feeling, but not necessarily feel how you're feeling, will go to talk therapy, sometimes even for years and years, and feel like I'm not actually getting anywhere. Like I'm able to talk about what I've gone through now, and I haven't made any actionable change. Like I don't see how things could be different. I just see the problems. And that's really common. Like some people need traditional talk therapy and, and CBT to be able to just talk about what's happened to them. And that's incredibly valuable. Some people need to get out of their heads and into their bodies. I would say a lot of people need to get out of their heads and into their bodies. I was definitely one of those people. And I was somebody who also had like longstanding physical practices. Like I've practiced yoga since I was about 13 years old. I've always thought that I was in my body in that way, in that I liked to be physically active. I liked to play. I liked to feel how my body moved about space, but I wasn't connected to my physical body in an emotional capacity. There were a lot of blind spots, a lot of kind of stuck, tense, blocked places in my body that I wasn't willing to sit with that I just didn't realize because again, I had never learned the tools up until that point. And I spent a lot of time intellectualizing my emotions. I would like learn about emotions and I would learn about trauma and I would learn about how all of these experiences can play a role in the patterns that show up in your life and, you know, becoming a therapist, even like learning about these processes, but nothing actually changed until I became willing to feel and to get into my body and move through, somatically move through the experiences and then to use tools like hypnotherapy and NLP to work with my subconscious mind to be able to retrain some of those stories and thought patterns that were created as a result of the past felt experiences. So that's a long-winded way of saying there's lots of tools that can support you. The tools specifically that I work with approach things like inner child healing and shadow work from the lens of somatic body-based therapy and subconscious transformational therapy. And that's what I found to be really impactful. And I love to get to share that work with my clients one-on-one. -on -one. I get to share that work in my group programs like Awaken Love, which if you've been a part of it, you know, it's an incredibly transformational experience to build a relationship with your body that feels safe, 
where your nervous system feels regulated, where you can go into some of these deeper emotional experiences to be able to heal and clear and release what's there from the past, and then to be able to step into a place of embodiment around what it is you want, embodied confidence, embodied self-worth, this embodied knowing of who you are, what you value, what you want, what you deserve, what your standards are in life, and to be able to uphold those and live your life from that perspective. That only comes from being grounded and deeply rooted in your body, in your full self. That doesn't come from affirmations that just live in your mind. Again, another area where people get stuck is like, affirmations don't work for me. It's because you're trying to convince yourself through the mind of something that your body doesn't actually feel and believe yet. And the feeling of it is 90% of the work. The mindset is the other 10%. It's valuable, but it's not the whole equation. So there's a lot more I could say about that. If this topic is interesting to you, as always, reach out and let me know. I love hearing from you guys what you'd like me to dive deeper into in this podcast, but I really just wanted to open up the conversation today to begin to get you thinking, if you haven't yet already, about how some of your childhood experiences and how it felt for you to be a kid in the life that you experienced might be impacting you now, and to know what there is for you to do about that, to know that there's absolutely incredible ways that can help you shift and transform the patterns that have kept you feeling a little bit stuck. And if that is something that you've been thinking about already and you did have that awareness already, just to really validate for you that you're normal, you're not alone, right? You're not the only one to have ever felt this way. Your feelings matter, your needs matter, and it's time you learn to advocate for them and to be patient with yourself as you go throughout this process as well. I've been doing this work on myself for about 11 years now. I've been in practice teaching this work to other people for about eight years now, and I still continue to see deeper layers (laughs) unfold and open within myself. It's you know, I often say that healing isn't linear. It's also not something that you complete. I used to really (laughs) believe and secretly hope that like you just do it all and you reach an end point and then you never have to do any of the uncomfortable inner work again, but that's just not how it works. Life will always present us with new kinds of explorations and challenges. and, And once you do have these tools, those don't feel so confronting anymore. They don't feel like an attack. They don't feel so scary. It feels almost like an invitation to come into deeper relationship with yourself, to come more um, into alignment and, and be at home within yourself, even through the challenging moments. And so I just want to acknowledge that no matter how long you've you've been doing this work, that you get to acknowledge and celebrate yourself for everything you've done so far and that you don't have to be fully healed or fixed. There's nothing wrong with you in order to have the relationships you want to have. And remain open to the fact that this will be an ever-evolving journey and that that's actually a beautiful thing. You get to grow and evolve and keep becoming new versions of yourself, getting to know yourself in more intimate ways throughout the rest of your life. And that's what's going to keep life interesting. So if this brought up some big emotions or big questions for you, feel free to reach out to me. You can send me an email or a DM on Instagram. I love connecting with you guys, and I um, am often in the habit of sending voice memos back on Instagram, so if uh, you want to get into a little chat about what's coming up for you and and what tools might be most supportive for you, we'd love to hear from you. Um, As many of you may know, I'm also on TikTok. I share a lot of videos over there and love building connection and community with all of you, so keep asking your questions, keep sharing your comments and your feedback. 
know that I appreciate you being in my community so much. I'm so glad that you're here and having these conversations with yourself because it's a, it's a brave thing to do. I know the courage that it takes to do this inner work. So I'm proud of you and I hope you're proud of yourself and um, stick around. You know, there's always going to be more um, topics and guests on the podcast. There's going to be lots more support coming your way. If you're looking for deeper levels of support, reach out to me to explore what it looks like to work with me one-on-one. It's a really special way to be held in the container of this healing work and to be guided to not have to do it all on your own. And it's something that I really love supporting supporting women in working through. Um, And then there's also my Awaken Love group program as well. If you want more connection and community support, it's a really special program. We are in the midst of a round right now from November to February, and then the next round will open up next year in April. So whenever you're listening to this, just reach out to me and I'll point you in the right direction. Um, I always share that if this resonated with you and you know somebody who would benefit from hearing this conversation, please share it with them, share the love, pay it forward. And as always, until next time, have a happy, healthy, and love-filled day.